Hi there, and welcome to Grab Your Light, the podcast, a podcast for young women of color who are trying to navigate a breakup, divorce, or co-parenting relationship with wisdom and grace, and all while maintaining their mental and emotional well-being. I'm Lauren, your host, and while I'm no expert, I've been through it, and now I'm here to walk you through it. So let's get to it. First and foremost, of course, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast. I know that there are so many podcasts out there that you could listen to. And so I want to thank you for either listening for the first time or coming back for yet another episode. This episode is part of this month's theme in things to do in the immediate aftermath of your breakup, separation, or default divorce pertaining to your child. So we talked about breaking the news to our children. I shared some resource to assist with that. And today I want to talk about that sort of initial introduction to co-parenting. So I know for the ladies who don't have children, this is irrelevant, maybe even boring. So please feel free to skip over Um, I will have a whole dedicated portion of the podcast show that is devoted to co-parenting. Today, we're just going to kind of dip a toe in there uh, because co-parenting is something that will need to happen immediately. And so it would just, what, what kind of host would I be if I didn't even mention it in the immediate aftermath section? So, okay, enough with all the disclaimers. Let's get to it. Okay, so. I'm a nerd, right? We established this back in the introduction. So I, of course, want to start with some definitions. And this whole, uh, my story part of the episode may seem um, like I'm being dramatic, but I kind of need to really bring home a point. So I start that with the definition. Co-parenting is defined as a situation when two parents work together to raise a child when they are no longer in a romantic relationship together. Okay, this means the parents share physical custody of the child. And sharing physical custody of the child means there are durations of time when the child is with the mother and then with the father. Okay. That means, I'm going to say it again, there are periods of time when your child is not with you. You are unwillingly parted from the tiny person that you grew in your body and brought into the world. Okay? I don't know. Maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but it was huge to me. I get it, right? Kids go to daycare or school. Maybe they spend evenings or afternoon with grandparents, godparents, aunts, uncles, etc. Maybe they have overnight play dates, right? Other situations or periods of time when they're not with you. But that wasn't the case for me. The only time my daughter was not with me was when she was at preschool or every blue moon when my ex-husband and I would go out and she stayed with my parents. Literally, that was it. Every other time she was with me. So since my daughter was two at the time of our separation, we shared her for small periods of time frequently throughout the week. For example, like my 
ex-husband would have her for three to four hours for two to three days each week. During this time, I'd be at home alone <laughs> without my sweet baby girl, without my little schmoops. That's what I call her. Without my tiny BFF, right? Without my little mini me, I'd just be at home by myself. And many women, especially other mothers, would envy this alone time as though I asked for it, as though I was enjoying it. You know, they assumed I was using the time to date and party and shop or sleep or any other wonderfully leisurely relaxing activity. And every now and then that was true. But for the most part, I just sat at home missing her. And missing her only magnified that I was alone and feeling alone only made me sad. It was just a really kind of um, melancholy that I was experiencing. And then as if that's not bad enough, going for periods of time without her meant that I was missing out on moments of her life. You know, I missed hearing her voice and seeing her little face and laughing at her shenanigans or being impressed with her development. She was increasing her vocabulary and learning her letters and numbers and figuring out the whole potty training thing and widening her appetite and just taking in the world around her. You know, that toddler preschool stage was fun, right? They're just little sponges. They're just soaking up everything around them. And I was missing that. You know, the people, the places, the concepts and foods, everything that she was experiencing and being introduced to while she wasn't with me, I was missing. They were happening without me. You know, I didn't get to see them or approve them or explain them. I didn't get to witness them or take a photo or congratulate her on them. And that was very important to me because she was so young and it was very difficult for me. You know, co-parenting essentially means that there's a whole aspect of my daughter's life that I simply am not a part of. Like, just, just take that in. There's a whole part of her life that I am not a part of. And that's not what I had in mind when I gave birth to her. It was incredibly difficult at the start of our co-parenting journey. You know, I would cry and obsess about what she was doing during that time. I would try to get my ex-husband to reveal every single detail of everything they did because she was too young for me to just ask her. I would sit at home refusing to leave just in case my ex-husband called and said that she needed me. You know, years later, I'm still adjusting. You know, it's much easier, but still not easy. You know, I worry too much and I make myself too available to her and her dad. But I don't know, that may not be a co-parenting struggle. That may just be a mom struggle, right? Um, but if you are a co-parent, I get it. My heart aches for you. And that's why I have a few tips. You know, it's not going to take the aching away. I'm so sorry, but it will make it just a little bit easier. So the first tip I have is to grieve. As I mentioned, I can't imagine very few mothers set out to be mothers and be single mothers, right? Or um, be co-parenting mothers. They, we don't 
grow that tiny person in our bodies and push them out our bodies to then just hand them over to someone else for significant periods of time, you know? So just the very nature of having to share your child, having to miss out on parts of your child's life, that is, you know, an adjustment and could even be considered a loss. And so you have every right to feel sad about that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have every right to grieve the parenting and the childhood that you thought you were going to give her or him that you set out to give your child. Let me be clear, co-parenting, single momming, single dadding doesn't mean that your child is getting less. It just means your child is getting different. And I am very much an advocate of grieving any change from what you originally planned. So when I say grieve, I don't mean to beat yourself up because your child is getting some subpar version of life. Absolutely not. My child, at least, is still living her very best life, you guys. She is out here thriving, okay? So she is doing perfectly fine, but it was an adjustment to me that the childhood I thought I would give her was not going to look exactly the way I thought it was. So allow yourself to grieve. Allow yourself to mourn the parenthood and the childhood that you thought you would have and thought you would give. And make way for the parenthood and the childhood you will instead give. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is to take the rest, okay? Take the opportunity that your child is not with you to rest. Perhaps if you're like my sister who loves sleeping. And I think that that's a millennial thing. I always hear millennials talking about naps. I am a millennial, but I'm not a napper. So that's why I said millennials as though I don't fit in. Um, so if you are a napper, a sleeper, go, you probably don't even need that tip. But for me, I am not a napper. I am not a sleeper. I'm not even really much of a lounger. I think I get it from my mom. We tend to always be doing something. And so in those periods of time when I didn't have her, I would just kind of sit on edge waiting for her to need me, waiting for her dad to call me. Um, I would find something to do. I would work longer hours. I would go to my parents or something. I don't think it was until she was in kindergarten that I really started to seize the opportunity to rest. And perhaps because in kindergarten, she started to require more of me, right? When they're in preschool, you drop them off, you pick them up, you're all good. Once they get to grade school, there's homework and uniforms and packing lunches and the whole nine. It, it just, it seemed to require more. Plus, you know, she's speaking, she wants to talk and she has feelings. And so I think it was requiring more. And so I found myself needing the rest more. And I started to encourage myself to take that rest. You know, I often try to explain because most of my Mom friends are married. And so sometimes they'll be telling me that they're tired, right? That they're tired from parenting, especially if they have multiples. And I get it. Being a mom is tough. Being a mom is tiring. No matter what the circumstances, you're allowed to be tired as a mom. But sometimes I think that people who are not single parents don't realize just how exhausting it is to be a single parent because in a two parent household, One person could take a shower while the other person attends to the kids. One child can sleep in late while the other parent, I'm sorry, one parent can sleep in late 
while the other parent attends to the child. Parents can alternate between who gets up off the couch to get something out of the refrigerator. When it's a one-parent household, it's just you. You have to single-handedly meet all of their needs all the time. I mean, I have Ava sitting down on the toilet talking to me while I shower, right? I can't sleep in late because if she wants to eat, there's no one else to make her food. I have to get up. If she wants me to get up 10 times in an hour, I'm getting up 10 times in an hour because there is no one else to do it. And we won't even get into how that probably means my child is overindulged. We'll save that for my mom and a whole other conversation. But my point being that as a single parent, you need the rest, take the rest and have no shame in taking that rest. Okay. Tip number three, ignore people's unsolicited opinions. I have a side brief story about that. So a mom in my child's class, the mom of a child in my daughter's class, planned an outing for the kids and planned it on a weekend when I didn't have Ava. And when I mentioned that Ava would not be able to attend because I did not have her that weekend, the mom just kept saying in this group text over and over, oh, well, enjoy your weekend. Oh, well, have fun. Oh, enjoy your alone time. Oh, enjoy your alone time. Oh, I know you're going to have fun with your alone time. And it just kept feeling unnecessary to say that, you know, it kept feeling like I was just going to be out there like wilding out, right? Like I didn't want my daughter to participate in this group activity because I'm out here like dancing on a pole. Now, another friend of mine pointed out that that's my own sensitivity, that that was my own junk and baggage filtering that comment and making it seem like it had an ulterior motive. Who knows? I never talked to the mom to find out if it had an ulterior motive or not. But in hindsight, and I can see that perhaps I was a little sensitive about it. And perhaps because she was a married mom of multiples, that she was envious of the rest. So the moral of this story is ignore comments like that. You don't know how they're saying it. And it really doesn't matter. You know, what does it matter what I'm doing in my alone time? What does it matter what she thinks I'm doing in my alone time? What does it matter what I think she thinks I'm doing in my alone time, right? It doesn't matter. It's not that big a deal. And so ignore anyone's comments about it. Do whatever makes you uh, happiest in that time and leave it at that. People's opinions really don't matter. Tip number four, and this is one I'm going to talk about much later in more detail, but I want to mention it here too. Have a temporary arrangement. You know, I would imagine for people getting divorced and there's no children involved that you can just kind of say, okay, bye. And they're gone forever, right? Like even when you're getting divorced, you can get divorced through lawyers and you don't even really have to see them that much during the divorce process itself. But when you have a child, you can't say, okay, bye. I can't block you. I can't change my number. I can't not ever see you again because I'm stuck with you for at least the next however many years until our child reaches 18. And for me, what wasn't going to happen, and I am waving my finger over here, what wasn't going to happen is you aren't going to tell me, hey, I don't want to be married to you anymore and then continue to call me at your leisure and beckon me whenever you want to see your child. Oh, no, no, I don't want to talk to you. I will no longer be beckoned. My life no longer revolves around you. 
So what I did to minimize all of that was create a temporary arrangement. I did it pr pretty quickly off the bat. Hey, I think that you should still see your child. I am not going to get in the way of that, but this is what it works for me. How about you see her for these days at this time? And then we will work the rest out as we go. We will change it as it needs to be changed. But this is that. And that cuts out on all the text messages and the phone calls and the unnecessary catering and conversation and feelings, right? Because feelings are very raw in the beginning. And if you're not careful, you'll end up using those opportunities uh, of co-parenting as ways to either try to get back in there, try to lash out, um, any of the sort. I'll probably have a whole episode too on that um, that opening for my ex-husband and I. I think that there was maybe a week or two where every conversation we had would start out pretending to be about our daughter and then it would turn into one of us groveling or it would turn into one of us yelling or it would turn into somebody cursing and then blaming and then faulting and then insulting and nothing ever got resolved about our daughter. And so that's what you don't want to do. It's not healthy for anybody, not you, not them, not your child. So have a temporary arrangement in place so that we don't give any room for these unnecessary emotional moments, right? And then we still do right by our kids. It doesn't have to be in writing. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't even have to be something that lasts for like the rest of their lives. It just needs to be momentary. You can evaluate week by week, right? And then... Tip number five is to release the unknown and reasonably, of course, I should probably have that as a disclaimer too. everything in this podcast is done within reason. Okay. I don't want anyone doing the extreme and saying, well, Lauren said so everything within reason, ladies. Tip number five, release the unknown. What I mean by that is the need to obsess about what our co-parent is doing when they're not with us. And the reason I say within reason is because, of course, you don't want your co-parent doing something like morally wrong with your child there. Like they're going out, I don't know, joyriding or on a killing spree. <laughs> that is such a drastic example. I'm so sorry. I watch a lot of Criminal Minds. But you don't want to have your co-parent out there putting your child in harm's way or doing anything very obviously wrong. So of course you want to know to some extent that that is not happening. What I mean more is when my um, separation first happened, I would often want to know where did they go? Whose house did they go to? Who was there when they went? What kind of music was played? What kind of movies were you watching? What did they say? Did they talk about me? How long were you there? Did she eat while she was there? Did she go to the bathroom while she was there? Like. You will drive yourself crazy trying to know that level of detail about what's happening when your child is not with you. Now, if you have reason to suspect something is off, then by all means, ask the questions. But just in general, you are going to have to trust on some level that your child is not in grave danger, that your child is doing, you know, well and leave it at that. You know, I have heard horror stories of women kind of um, stalking their co-parents 
Instagram or, you know, Snapchat or whatever to see where they are with their kid or popping up on them to see what they're doing or kind of skulking around to see where they are. And like, I get it. I very get it. Like our mama bear instincts are are real, but it's only going to make you crazy. It's going to breed distrust with your co-parent and our children can pick up on those things, right? So it's going to make them anxious. It's going to make them think that, you know, should they be looking at their dad or mom crazy? You know, should they be skeptical? Is something off? And you just don't want that. It's just not good for anybody. So we'll also talk later on kind of ways around that. But, you know, maybe establish some ground rules on things that are like non-negotiable for you, things that are a complete no-go, and then trust that those things are being followed. Also, as your children get older, they will spill it all. My daughter comes home and tells me way more than I need to know, right? Like, oh, well, first we went here and daddy was speeding and then we went there and daddy threw trash out the window and then we saw this person, but he said he doesn't like that person. And then, you know, so as they get older, they'll tell you what has happened. But while they're younger, you know, do your very best to just release the unknown and trust that the person that you had a child with is uh, taking care of that child just as well as you would take care of that child. Maybe not in the exact same way, right? Because we know moms and dads don't parent in the same way, but that they are at least caring for the child as much as you care for the child. So those are my tips. I hope that they were helpful. I hope the episode wasn't all over the place. Sometimes I start talking and then I find myself just kind of rambling, but hopefully it was helpful. Um, Hopefully it was, as always, a tiny bit entertaining, but also super relevant. Um, Either way, thank you for listening to yet another episode of Grab Your Light, the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram so that we can become friends. Thank you. Have a great day, week, and month. Bye.